Good morning, children of God. I'm so happy to be here with you today. And so let us bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, you understand how much and badly we need your presence today because we want to glorify your name and we want all the glory to be attributed only to you. And may your Holy Spirit guide us through this presentation and may my words be yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, some of you might be still wondering what's this guy from Russia doing on the stage. And quite frankly, it's exactly the same questions that still disturbs me. So the very first thing I'm going to do right after the presentation, I'm going to step down and come up to Dr. Wright, the president of ASI, and ask him, what did I do? God has miraculously led me through my life. And I want to share this story with you. I'm a fourth generation Adventist, and that's quite uncommon for Russia, from my father's side. But today I'd love to share my story, my mom's story, because she was never, she had never been an Adventist before she actually became one. When she was 23 years old, she was one of the most successful accountant and an auditor in her region, Stavropol, that's in Russia, former Soviet Union. And she was also a rising Communist Party leader. She was also a rising star, political star, how they called her. And one day, her landlady invited her to come for Sabbath evening worship. And she started visiting, and she had actually known of Adventists because in the village where she grew, she had a distant relative of hers that was an Adventist. So she became an Adventist, got baptized, and then she had to come to her boss and tell him that she cannot work on Sabbath. Her boss really loved her because she was one of his best workers, or actually the best. And he tried to talk her out of believing in Adventism. And you know, she never gave up. She told him that she will be an Adventist. He told her that he will have to fire her as soon as the government knows. And she still remained an Adventist. And after a while, as soon as the government and the KGB knew about that, they got furious and told her boss to fire her immediately. And that's what he did. Then, since she was a youth communist party leader for a branch in that city, she was summoned to a communist party meeting. And she went through hours of humiliation. Dozens and dozens of people would stand up 
and shout insults at her. They told her that she was a disgrace to the Communist Party, that she betrayed their trust. And finally, after hours of this process, Mr. Gorbachev stood up, Mikhail Gorbachev. You, I believe, know who he is. He was the head of the Youth Communist Party for the region. He stood up, he was presiding over that gathering, and he said, Dear Vera, I know that you have always been the best in our party. And I believe that you've done so much good to improve our party. And I believe that one day you'll recant, and I will keep your member card under the glass on my desk because one day you will return and I will gladly give it back to you. Uh, but she never did. Praise God. Since she lost her job, she had to look for one again, but she couldn't find one. She would go to different places to find a job, and whenever a boss of a firm would hear that she needed a job and saw all her resumes and everything, all the papers, they were very glad and said they would gladly accept her. But after a few days when she would come back to start her work there, they would sit with their head, heads bowed and say, you know, by the way, we don't need right now because this position is filled. Because KGB was tracking her and would not allow any firm in the town to hire her. So, finally she decided to look for a job, another job. She was, I told you, the best accountant and an auditor at her age in the area. And she decided to look for a job as a housekeeper. Finally, a professor's fam family hired her, and she was able to work for them for almost a year. But after a year, this professor came home with his head bowed and said, Dear Vera, I love you so much, and you know that, but you know two KGB agents paid a visit to me today, and they said that if I don't fire you immediately, I will lose my position as well. And so she lost even that job. But they loved her very much, and so they passed her on to another professor's family. But she was able to work for them even less, about three or four months, before being found out again by KGB agents. And she lost even that humble position of a housekeeper. Then one of our ladies, her son-in-law was a KGB agent. He passed on some information through his mother-in-law and said, tell Vera... KGB is going to put her to prison, and so the best way to escape if, if she leaves the city immediately. And so that's what she did. She found a place where she would collect hay and put it with pitch fork, I believe, pitch fork on a truck. 
And very soon she lost even that job. She returned to the city, tried to find a job for several months. And after starving for several months, she decided to go back to her mother and village at where at least she could find food. The reason I started this story, the reason I started with this story, with my mom's story, is this. From my childhood, I was told this story over and over again. And this was a paramount example for me and has always been of a person who really, literally gave everything he had to be with Jesus. Praise God for my dear mom. You know, the interesting thing is that she has outlived all her persecutors. Two days ago, she turned 78. And among all her relatives, and among all her relatives, where she's the eldest daughter in her family, she's the healthiest one. God has blessed her with five children, seven grandchildren, and all of whom are in church, working for the church, and helping to promote the God's cause. Praise God. And you know what? She also really enjoys that love and admiration that she's surrounded with. And I'm quite sure there are very few people that are surrounded with that love that she's surrounded now. And then next story I would like to share with you is also one from my childhood. When I was seven years old, I paid a visit to a friend of mine who was also a seven-year-old boy. And we were playing in his room, and suddenly I noticed that there was a book, a type-written copy of a book. So I picked it up, looked at it, and I saw that it was Patrick's and Prophets, the Patrick's and Prophets books by Ellen G. White. Astonished, I turned to, the, uh, to my friend and asked him, Are you reading this book? He said, Yes. Why? It's an interesting book. You see, at my age, I consider that only uh, books by Arthur Maxwell are the best books for children. <laughs> and so, being ashamed with... I returned home and immediately asked my parents to provide me with the copies of all the set and started reading immediately. My father, as soon as he realized that I was persistent in my reading, also gave me a nice and very expensive notebook so, when, so I could write down my uh, excerpts that I liked the most from the writings of Ellen G. White. And in, during the evening worships, he would ask me questions why I had chosen those excerpts. So these are the events that had profound influence upon my life. And you know what? At the age of seven, after reading the great controversy, I learned that at the end times, there would be only one superpower, and that is the United States of America. And I shared sometimes my beliefs with my classmates during the Soviet time. 
whenever they would boast of the Soviet Union, how powerful it was, I would tell them, you know, guys, Bible has nothing to say about Soviet time existing at the end time. You know, that was a quite, quite a risky thing to say. But you know, I'm so proud God gave me that truth at the age of seven, 30 years ago, because in my short life, I'm not yet too old. You can probably see that, only 37. And God has granted me this opportunity to see the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy. Who could say 30 years ago that such a huge superpower as the Soviet Union was at the time would just vanish? And you know, we have so many more prophecies in the Bible that are going to be fulfilled in the same certain way. And moreover, I'm so happy that I was on the winning side back then 30 years ago. You know, back then I looked stupid. People laughed at me, ridiculed for my beliefs. But you know, now they realize that their beliefs, they believed in communism. It doesn't exist now. And God helped me to see that His Word is always certain and always fulfills. So I'm so grateful that God has blessed me not only with my mother to be a paramount example for me, to be example of, to show that example what it means to give your best to our loving Lord. I want to share another story with you. At the age of 18, I went to study at Zaukski Adventist University. And there I was introduced to a story of Garwin McNillas. Praise God for this man. You know, this man supported that university. He would invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into that university. I lived in the dormitory that was built with his money. I went to classrooms that were built with his money. And now Russia prospers. Russian Adventism prospers in Russia because we have hundreds and hundreds of pastors that were educated at that university. And all of that, I, I do not even want to talk in if terms I don't know how would Russia look today if it were not for this man and for his generosity. Praise God for people like him who give their best to our loving Lord. Uh, there, is, there was some events that are not so probably excited, exciting but at my early 20s, in my early 20s, I realized that due to some bad influences in my teenage years, my mind was corrupt, my character was corrupt, and I actually wanted to somehow clean up my mind to make it purer, to fully resemble 
Christ character. And so, since I had studied psychology for many years, I knew that it would require a miracle to change the pathways between the brain cells. Because years of undisciplined thinking and immoral thinking had destroyed my personality. So, after considering all the ways and searching for different ways that I could use, I believe I have... I had found the best one, and that was I decided to copy the whole Bible by hand. And this is the Bible that God has helped me to copy by my own hand. It took me 800 hours, two and a half years. If you do it one hour a day, You'll be able to also to finish it in two years and a half. You know, when I, come up with this, when I came up with this idea, also, even my believing friends would laugh at me and ask, uh, you don't have a copy of a Bible? Would you like us to present it to you? I said, you know, guys, I have at least a couple of dozens of them, and most of them are leather-bound. So, what I need? I need not... A Bible on my shelves. I need a Bible in my mind. And praise God, God has helped me to achieve the goal. You can see it. And after the presentation, you can come forward. And if you'd like to touch it, I'll allow you gladly. But only we'll ask you to be careful, okay? And you know, I had perceived some of the changes that God would bring into my character if I do this. But you know, I was absolutely wrong. I correctly predicted only 3% of all the good changes, miraculous changes, that God had brought into my character and into my mind. My character was transformed, and God had helped me to build new mind, new character, new personality. But the most amazing thing, God had also helped me to improve my scholar skills, scholarship skills, or how do you call it? Scholar skill? Scholarship skills. Thank you. God gave me a unique ability. Whenever I read books written by secular writers on business, I can clearly see whether they resemble the teachings of Christ, God, and if they can find support in Ellen G. White writings. And this ability has helped me a lot. Because, you know, 90% of all the books that you can find in bookstores are just trash. I can honestly say that. 9% of them are of low value. And or really good ones are really few. And so when I was taking my third year, I started my own business in the nearby town. Uh, that was a tutoring agency. And immediately after that, I was under severe pressure from my relatives and especially my dear mom. 
Because they said, David, you are betraying your call. David, you are a fourth generation Adventist. David, your call is to be a pastor. And you know, I was in severe pain myself because I couldn't make up my mind. And I didn't really know what to do with and which my calling really was. So I had to pray a lot, but I still continued with my business and developed it. And God helped me to develop it, and so we had between 400 to 700 students at a time. But in the year 2000, I met with Dr. Bill Shea, probably some of you had an, uh, have had an opportunity to meet this person. And I asked him, uh, told him my concerns, told him about that severe pressure from my relatives, that they did not think that being a businessman was a good idea. Because you see, in Russia, we couldn't uh, get education during the Soviet period. So there were two options for uh, Adventists. You should be... You could only be a pastor or like any woodworker or a carpenter, something like that. We could not uh, work in, uh, in Soviet organizations, actually. Could not do much work there. And so that's why everybody and all my relatives and all the people that had known me since my childhood, they said that I was wrong. And so then I shared all these concerns with Dr. Bill Shea. And said that I wanted to fully fulfill God's calling in my life. And also to fully show what a good businessman can do to the, for the church and for promoting God's cause. And so this man then asked me a question. He said, David, how many good preachers... Do you know in your division? I said, well, I know probably a hundred. He said, no, I mean really excellent preachers. I said, well, I know at least a dozen. He said, well, then that was ten years ago. Well, how many good businessmen do you know that fully live out the principles Open for us in the Bible and in the spirit of prophecy. How many business people of this kind do you know? I was astonished, confused, didn't know what to answer. My jaw dropped. He looked at me and said, David, that's the answer. You know that the greatest need in your division is of godly business people who can promote God's cause with their means. I didn't listen to Bill Shea's advice at, at once, it took me some time to realize how right he was. So after a time, I went to Zaukski Adventist University, uh, actually to the pastor of the Central Church, and told him that I had developed seminars based on Bible, on the Bible and spirit of prophecy, on how to become successful, how to improve your personality, how to become highly effective. And he was so happy. He told me, I give you, I'll give you all the Friday evenings after Vespers so you can use them for your seminars. And so I started conducting my seminars. 
And after a year, I was teaching uh, students, mostly students from the university, uh, how God had improved my life through my copying the Bible by hand and that by studying the Bible. By the way, do you know that most, most of the most successful people in this world are those who knew, uh, who learned a lot the Bible by heart. Do you know this information? You can find this information about Bill Gates. He was the guy who knew the most, uh, he knew more than anyone in his class the Bible by heart. He was known for that. He, in his childhood, he knew the whole um, uh, sermon on the Mount of Blessings. All three chapters, you can find that. Oprah Winfrey, she also knew more than anyone else in her class, parts from the Bible by heart. And so the same with, it's the same with many other prominent people. Some of the richest people in the world are those who learned the Bible by heart a lot in their childhood or continue learning Bible by heart even when they're adults already. So I would teach that to the students and I would also teach them that studying the spirit of prophecy, especially the testimonies for the church, helps you to really improve your character, has the best advice except for the Bible, of course, has the best advice on how to make your willpower strong, the best advice on leadership skills. But after a year, the same pastor approaches me and says, you know, David, some people are concerned that you are using this time after Friday Vespers and you don't allow other prominent speakers to use the time. So could you please stop with your lectures for a moment? And so I stopped my lectures and that time has never been used for any lectures of seminars. Later, I learned from my friends that there was a discussion and they, there were concerns that David was teaching some odd teachings. Uh, he was teaching how to become successful using Bible, the Bible, and spirit of prophecy. And his teachings sounded too ultra-conservative. And to save the, to save the youthful minds from such an influence, they decided to stop my lectures. So after that, I started praying a lot and asked whether God was really guiding me. And you know what I did? I rearranged those same seminars into secular ones. I just took away all the religious terms and since I had read a lot of books on leadership skills, on management, on success, I clothed pure Bible teachings and teachings from the spirit of prophecy with secular terms and started selling these seminars at a humble price at first eight years ago. And you know what? Since then, some of the most prominent people in my country some of the wealthiest people in my country 
some of the most powerful people in the government of my country have heard of my seminars and I have a two-year list of people wanting to hear those seminars, wanting to hear the secrets on how to become a good, strong leader, how to become successful, how to develop your character. And by the way, they are ready to pay six US dollars per single minute. Praise God. God is really good. Our church enjoys the best material, the best material on character improvement. God has granted our church with the best teachings on leadership skills. You know, sometimes I wonder when I hear people amazed with Dr. Covey. I like this man. He's a really good man. You probably, you've also read a couple of his books on leadership. You know, he developed a principle inside out and he is so praised for opening and developing this principle. That principle tells you that everything starts from your character. Never try to improve just your appearance, just your image. You have to start with your character. Who told that 150 years ago? Who told that more than 3,000 years ago? Folks, God has blessed us with the best teachings on every possible subject. And if we are good and diligent students of His Word and of the wisdom God has granted us through the spirit of prophecy, you cannot imagine how far up you can go in glorifying God's name, in being useful for the church, and will be useful for your country. You know what? Uh, some friends of mine, when they learn, uh, some business people or people in the government, when they learn that I pay taxes. You know, in Russia, no one pays taxes. And uh, government also almost just has to go with uh, <laughs> revolvers and take taxes out of people. And when they learn that, they are amazed and say, why do you do that? And I tell them, you know, I love my homeland. And I want to support my homeland, Russia, with my taxes. Because I enjoy peace there and I uh, the police protects me from terrorists and so on. And I'm a kind of a thorn in their eyes, you know, for being faithful with my tithe. Uh, with my taxes. But you know, by the way, I've already <laughs> said what I'm about to say. <laughs> uh, you know, we all here belong to a heavenly country. And it's so sad to hear sometimes that 50 to 60% of all the church members in Seventh Adventist Church are not faithful with their tithes and offerings. It's so sad. Actually, the figures are much worse. And one of the miracles that God created in my life was to make me willing to pay all the tithes 
that I could read about in the Bible. And I found out that there is a question between whether we should pay two tithes or three tithes. One is our regular tithes that we put into envelopes and give it uh, on Sabbath that goes to support our church. But I decided that I will not, since there is no certainty. I bet I'd better do my best for the Lord. So I decided that I would give two more tithes. So one tithe goes as offerings to support God's church, pastors, families, or whatever activities that is promoting God's cause. And there is also a third tithe. By the way, I was asked to mention that I pay my tithe from my gross income. And if you'd like to know how I do that, please come forward and after the seminar I'll tell you after the presentation. And you know what? God has so richly and abundantly blessed me. Since the year 2008, when the crisis started, and this crisis severely shook Russia, praise God, my income has grown up five times. And I was able to, and I have been able to open new businesses in the same period that have successful and give me profit now. Praise God. God always blesses us if we're faithful. And about the third tithe, by the way. You know, sometimes we get annoyed when people come up to us and ask for money. We perceive it as a threat to our own wallet. And we don't really like people asking for money. But you know what, if you, from the very beginning, you set aside this tithe as also not belonging to you, but to our loving Lord, then you have a different state of mind. Then you are looking for an opportunity to serve others with this money that God has given you. Then you are looking for worthy recipients. And so my third tithe I use for charity. And God has blessed so many people around me with this third tithe that has never belonged to me. As soon as I get money, I always set aside three tithes. And you know, it's so joyful. You just cannot imagine that. You know, I had a teacher of English who taught me English exactly 20 years ago. By the way, he now lives in America, in New York. And so two years ago, he had some very, very severe health problems. And so God helped me to support him, by the way, with my third tithe, greatly. I actually hired a housekeeper for him so she could cook a good Adventist vegan food. Can you imagine this? (laughs) And his health considerably improved. And you know, after a time, he once asked me a question. David, if God really exists, he's an atheist, by the, by the way. If God really exists, and he sees how generous you are, and he sees that 
you have to work very hard to earn this money. And I know that you are almost wearing yourself down. Why doesn't he just drop down money from heaven for you? Since he knows that you are a trustworthy steward of his means. You know, that question puzzled me. And I knew that there was a good answer for that question since the very beginning. I just wanted to find one. And I, I, of course I knew that God was not supposed to <laughs> drop money from heaven to anyone. And you know, God, after weeks, because I was really concerned, because I really wanted to know the answer to that question. And so after weeks of diligent prayer and study, God has blessed, had blessed me with one of the most amazing answers for this question. And here it is. Gifts that cost us nothing have no value. You know, folks, tithes, offerings, and charity will always require sacrifice on our part. However rich we become, that will always require sacrifice. You know, Jesus Christ on that cross showed that absolute, ultimate example for us that God never accepts partial service, never accepts partial sacrifice. He is offended. He is deeply offended when we are not giving our best to our loving Lord. In that gift on Calvary, He has given all heaven in just that one gift. And He expects from us nothing less. So may God bless each one of us so that we can share this message with those who haven't been able to hear, to hear it today. That our church needs you business people, good managers, to promote God's cause. As no one else, you've been blessed with a special, special, probably most special talent of leadership and management. And this ability can greatly promote God's cause on our earth. And may this example of the godly people that I've mentioned in my presentation today, and made that example that was shown to us on cross stay with us always and make us, make us more generous and give us more sacrificial spirit. Let us pray. Dear Lord, you know how much we need your Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so that we can be more generous, so that we can do really our best for our loving Lord. Dear Lord, we need your power today to make our hearts 
receptive to your influence so that we can fully resemble your Christ-like sacrificial character. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.